Welcome to 8 with 8, a podcast from Ohio State Support Team 8, where we share what's on our minds and what's in the research from the field of education. We're expanding our view of literacy today by delving into the world of writing, emergent writing in particular, or young learners writing. We have another outstanding guest, Dr. Lucy Hart-Paulson. Dr. Hart-Paulson is a speech-language pathologist and literacy specialist with years of experience working with young children and their families, as well as teachers, in public schools, Head Starts, private, and university settings, as well as teaching and conducting research at the University of Montana. She's also the lead author of Language Essentials for Teachers of Reading and Spelling, or Letters, for Early Childhood Educators. You'll hear this referred to as EC Letters in today's episode when she talks to our SST8 literacy gurus and Dr. Lucy superfans, Pam Kennedy and Kim Nagy. In the space of just 30 minutes, Lucy will have our listeners looking up the science of writing, searching for golf pencils and art easels, and maybe rethinking how and when we introduce keyboarding for our young writers. Intrigued? You should be. Hello, I'm Pam Kennedy, the Regional Early Literacy Specialist for State Support Team 8. And I'm Kim Nagy, Urban Literacy Specialist for State Support Team 8. Today, we have the privilege of talking to Dr. Lucy Hart-Paulson about her work in emergent literacy. We'll be specifically talking to her on her thoughts on handwriting and keyboarding in terms of emergent writing. Dr. Paulson, the educational world has heard so much about the, the simple view of reading and structured literacy and those five components of reading. And it's been so helpful for our, our educators here in Ohio to help get us all focused on what's most important in reading instruction. And now you've articulated a simple view of writing. Uh, we're really excited about this. And for those who may not be familiar, do you, would you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Well, sure. And I cannot take credit at all for the simple view of writing. It was actually Virginia Berninger who created that uh, a while back, several years ago. And then it's also a model uh, in a theoretical model that is described in the letters for third edition for kindergarten through third grade teachers and, and then mm -hmm. the older students who are older grades who have struggling students and certainly talk about the writing process in letters for early childhood educators. And I guess one of my big missions and passions right now is indeed we have uh, a really good understanding of what the science of reading is, but reading doesn't live by itself. Reading is a part of literacy and writing is the other piece. And I, I feel like writing gets the short shift and if we were to increase the focus that we have on writing, along with the focus on reading, I think we're going to have such bigger and greater learning outcomes for the children who are in our care. And so as a simple view of reading entails these lower level skills of decoding and understanding what the sound system is and being able to manipulate and play with the sound system and phonological phonemic awareness, and then multiply that by oral language, your understanding of oral language, and you put those two factors together, and that is what creates competent reading. So we can take that same pattern, that same formula of sort, and put that into the, the, uh, the simple view of writing. 
And so those lower level skills of and discrete skills, frankly, handwriting and spelling, important. And language comprehension, and you factor those together, and that is going to result in, re in writing competency. Now, there's one more layer to the writing process that Virginia Berninger describes, and it is executive function. And the reason that executive function is added to the writing simple view is that writing is the most complex and difficult linguistic or language task or skill. And it requires so much more headspace, that executive function of being able to think about things in creative ways, being able to hold what you want to do in memory, being able to and maintaining your inhibitory control and in starting writing, maintaining and persisting through writing to get to that end point of what it is that you wanted to write about. So important to both of these models is that it is it's factorial. Each of these are multiplied together. So it is not just an addition. But if one of them is not working, if your handwriting is not going well, if your spelling is not developing, and even though you have great oral language, if you don't have these lower level discrete skills, your writing is not going to be very competent at all. And so what we do also know is that writing begins really early in young children's progression of development and their understanding of literacy, like toddlers. Toddlers begin the writing process. They see you writing and they pick up a writing tool. What do they want to do? Mm -hmm. Use it. Mm -hmm. So, so how does that sound? That's that clear enough? Yeah, fabulous. And actually, speaking of those skills, um, would you be able to talk about the continuum of the emergent writing skills, especially through that lens of explicit instruction for our youngest writers? Okay. Well, we have a very well-defined sequence of development in what young children typically do as they are learning about the writing process. So first of all, they have to be exposed to what writing looks like. And I will say in this day and age, when more writing is being done on this mm -hmm. and more writing and, and there are and more in just just the, the print opportunities that young children have are different than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago in earlier, earlier times. So, but across all of those decades, we know very well that as children figure out what print is, they make a connection and a distinction between how you draw something and then how you label or write about something. And so they move from this progressive um, continuum of scribbling into, oh wait, now there are little segments that go along into mock letters that look like letters, but they don't have that knowledge yet of what letters are. And then as that comes and develops, then they shift from mock letters into using real letters in their in their descriptions and then as phonological awareness is developing their letter knowledge is developing and they start to put that two those two concepts together in the alphabetic principle mm -hmm. of here's a sound oh i know what a phoneme a speech sound is and this letter it represents that sound then they move into a semi-phonetic phase 
And that is a really important transition from the earliest literacy time period into the next time period of reading and uh, early reading and writing, when children are making that really important connection of what the purpose of an alphabet is. And then as they progress, that the semi-phonetic uh, phase can begin. That's always a goal for us in our pre-K programs by the end of the pre-K year. And it absolutely is a goal in kindergarten. And then through kindergarten semi-phonetic and, as, and uh, then making those word structures more complete, moving into the phonetic phase. And then as spelling conventions are now part of the curriculum and children are being taught spelling conventions, then move into that, that conventional phase where spelling words, um, based on the difficulty of what that word is, is going to be much more accurate. So very well-defined sequence of development. And I will say that your Ohio early uh, learning and development standards absolutely describe that very same sequence. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, thank you. I'm um, talking about that semi phonemic stage. Um, are there the special routines or you would talk about explicit well, instruction also routines and strategies that you might share for successful teaching and assessing those writing skills? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, assessing writing skills is relatively easy, and yet I do I do not know, I'm not aware of any assessment tool that has been published that looks at the writing process and where a child may, may be developing along that continuum. So easy to do when you have, when you've set up the, the situation or the, the context in your early childhood classroom, that writing is gonna happen and you get to label the things that you draw about and you get to sign in uh, at centers. And, and when you come to school, you get to sign in and write your name. As an aside, name writing and message writing are different skills. So we can talk about name writing in a minute. But what young children need to see is you writing and you out loud talking about how writing works. And in the routines of our early childhood classrooms, when we're teaching about the letters, we absolutely should be talking about how we shape that letter when we want to write it. Oh, we're going to start at the top and then we pull down. And then we're going to start at the top again and pull down. And then there's a line through the middle. That's that uppercase letter A. And here's how it works with the lowercase. We're going to start over here and we're going to make an A come around, swoop and down. So those routines and sequences and the modeling of it. I'm oh, we're going to draw this picture. I'm going to write a word for it. The other routine and sequence for uh, our early childhood um, programs is to acknowledge and honor where children are at in the writing process. And I, and I think we don't give the same kind of consideration to children in that developmental writing process as we do for children in that developmental oral language process. When babies are babbling, we babble right back to them. Mm -hmm. When they're saying their first words, we don't always talk in sentences that are 10, 20 word long, words long. We talk in child-directed units that are just above where children need to be. Some, some of the time, we surely do expand and say, use our adult directed language, but we modify our language as well. A good blending of both to match where children are at. And in the writing process, that doesn't 
that doesn't happen typically. And so what we describe in Letters for Early Childhood Educators is for a teacher to model, here's what adult writing looks like. But here are some other ways of writing so that you are matching up where a little friend is. Because frankly, when you ask a child to write, there's so much resistance And I think a lot of times that resistance comes from, here's where a little friend is, here's what they see. And they look at that distance and they think, whoa, shoot, I can't do that. And so they refuse. Mm -hmm. But when we show them, here's this next step, if they're scribbling, we're gonna show them what mock letters look like and what random strings look like. And oh, and here's this semi-phonetic piece, right? Here's how we figure this out out loud talking, modeling, guiding, facilitating their writing, still always showing what the correct form is, but helping them move through these stages so that they think, oh yeah, I can do that. And so then what we see happening is that kids feel comfortable writing as a four-year-old or as a five-year-old or even as a three-year-old. Yeah, I can do that. And that keys into greater literacy learning outcomes when they have when when they're including writing in that literacy context. I I remember going through EC letters with you um, in Ohio a few years ago, and it was that that scaffolding right in their zone and the metalinguistic conversations you you know you modeled for us for us to model for our students. That I think that was one of the most fascinating parts for me in the EC letters. So Dr. Paulson, some of us are new to the to thinking about writing in this way, right? Um, it can be a shift for a lot of teachers. Mm-hmm. So I know one thing that was really important in my thinking on this topic was distinguishing how we teach that letter formation and handwriting, so the orthography, versus how we teach the writing process and the composition. Can you yes. talk a little bit about the how and the why we need to go about doing these things differently? Yes. It's a great parallel to what goes on in the simple view of reading. You know, what children are doing in those in that earliest phase of phonics and, and phonological awareness, we're building those discrete skills. We're teaching children about what the letters are. And when we're teaching about letters, we should be, as I mentioned, having showing modeling children how that letter is written and then having children trace, copy letters until they're able to become more automatic about it. And so that's the handwriting piece. Along with handwriting, you want to make sure that you have tools that are going to facilitate young children's writing. And so we talk about having little, thin, short, thin writing tools. They're little golf pencils. I like to cut another inch of them off. And what this does is it creates that environmental cue or it sets up the environment for children's success because you can't fist grip a short thing and write it. And young children are first doing this. That's that natural grip of what toddlers are doing. But even in your early learning and development standards, your standards say that three-year-olds should be doing a finger, a thumb, pincer grip. And thank you for that. That is developmentally appropriate. It is something that we want to focus on. Just as we're helping children learn how to say sounds more accurately, 
as they're going through that developmental process, we're helping them learn to shape the letters accurately because spelling handwriting is empirically causally connected to later literacy learning outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so let's build that motor memory mm -hmm. from the start, because we all know those fifth graders who are still starting at the bottom. They have some really strange pencil grip. They're starting at the bottom and they're moving up like this. And that is physiologically harder. And so their muscles wear out sooner and they're not going to write as much. Oh, wow. That's very interesting information. I know in our trainings, we always share with our teachers who um, attend to switching from those big fat laddie pencils that we all used to use way back when. Um, and they're always very surprised by that. So um, but we are spreading that word to, to make sure they're using those teeny, tiny little pencils. So I put the analogy, I like to use the analogy. Sometimes you can find markers that are about this big or some kind of writing, you know, fun, funky writing tool that's about this big. Mm -hmm. And that's about what the size of a little friend's hand would be, you know, that big thing in a little friend's hand. And how well is your fine motor control when you are trying to write with something that is that thick? Right. You can't do it. And so in essence, we're providing tools for little friends that are making the task harder for them. Oh, wow. that is excellent. And mm -hmm. for all these years, we've all lived with the Laddie pencils and the great big Crayola crayons. Mm -hmm. With someone's good intention mm -hmm. and that sense of, well, gross motor develops first and then it moves down to fine motor, but writing is not a gross motor task. No, it is not. Children do need the gross motor movement. That's why in early childhood centers, we have art easels easel standing up so kids can make these big circles and these lines. That's all building into the motor memory of what shapes are. And letters are a series of straight lines, diagonal lines, and curves. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So mm -hmm. sometimes in our regional trainings, we've had some conversation on teaching cursive before manuscript. Do you mm -hmm. have any thoughts on that? The keyboarding as well. Oh, keyboarding as well. Okay, so there, I, I do have some thoughts um, based on what it is that I've read in the research. And again, Virginia Berninger is one that uh, is not one of my go-to uh, researchers and she has been studying writing for her career, decades and decades and decades. And right now within the science, there is no clear winner of starting cursive first or starting a manuscript first. They both end up with good learning outcomes. Really? Really. Mm -hmm. So in Australia and New Zealand, those areas, they have more of a cursive style of writing that they are teaching their young children. That's how they start and then move into manuscript. But what, what uh, Berninger de describes is that you should teach that writing format for three years. The first year when children are young, it is learning to shape it. There is no level or expectation of automaticity. And then the second year, it would be learning to shape those symbols accurately and becoming more automatic. And then the third year is fluent writing. And that establishes the motor memory, the motor plan for that writing system or that writing process. And then next, 
let's go to the other format and teach that other format. Now, in the United States, what we have done and, and typically generally done is chosen to teach manuscript first. And the rationale behind that is that the letters in manuscript are much more similar and consistent with the print that children are learning about as they are learning to read. Hmm. And so there's a match between what manuscript, what block print looks like and what children are then learning to write um, as they are, they're learning about the alphabet and learning about learning to read. And I'd always heard that it was from learning their shapes, such as the circle, they could make a capital O or a triangle, they would make the capital A. Mm-hmm. And what about the Danelian um, mm-hmm. style of, I, I know I used to teach Danelian with the curves, so it took them mm-hmm. right into cursive. Is there any research on that? There is no conclusive research that says adding those little curves is helpful or a hindrance. It that there's there's it, it is one of the tools that we can use. Danelian and cursive. Well, let me just for cursive is easier because of the flow when it's automatic, when you know what writing is. Cursive is easier in the writing process because of the flow of it. Mm-hmm. Cursive is also uh, does not have the same level of reversals as block uh, manuscript does because of the flow of it. And so in some in some perspectives, people feel that cursive is going to be easier for that kind of component. So cursive is much more related or connected to spelling and writing and block manuscript is more connected to print reading. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Danelian created this sense and essence of, well, if we include these little monkey tails, those little curves, mm-hmm. that's going to facilitate the transition from more of a block to uh, cursive. And the research doesn't support that, but it doesn't negate it either. Any of the research that I have been able to find or glean, because it, it when I uh, was teaching at the University of Montana uh, and conducting my own research in some of these areas. I did as much of a literature review as I could in this area. And and I really, I truly could not find anything that was definitive. Yeah. One last question, if we can take you for a couple more minutes here. You're just fine. Is there anything else, any other message you'd like to to share with all the the teachers of reading and spelling here in Ohio who are just eating up your EC letters materials and and all of that, your work here? Anything else you'd like to share with us all? Well, I I think my biggest impassioned sense right now is that to me, reading and writing are like breathing. We breathe in, which is the reading, and then we breathe out, which is like the writing. And particularly in the earliest grades, combining those two really big structures together, along with building oral language, is going to facilitate better learning outcomes for our friends. We're giving them a much more of a complete picture of what the literacy learning process is when we include the writing process. Mm 
for kinder, first, even into second, kinder and first grade teachers, the words that children are learning how to read are also the words that children should be learning how to spell. The importance of the mm -hmm. vocabulary as well. Yeah. And then as children are acquiring more reading uh, competency and capacity, then in second grade, generally, the words that they're able to read are much more difficult than the spelling curriculum has uh, developed and progressed. And so then there shall, surely still should be a connection to the spelling sequences that are being taught and also how those are represented in the reading process. But truly in the preschool, kinder, first grade, reading and writing should go hand in hand. That reciprocity. If you are reading it, you should be able to, you should be writing it. Okay. There was one other thought. Handwriting is important. Pencil grip is important. It builds the motor memory for how children are, are um, figuring out what those uh, what those shapes are so that consistent tracing copying and then writing mm -hmm. is important and we in early particularly in our preschool program we want to be modeling what writing looks like a lot because that's not always happening I had, a, I had a quick experience with my granddaughter and she didn't know what writing was because checks weren't being written. Those are all done online. Um, a calendar now is, is in here and not visible for little friends. The analog clock is not visible for little friends. Those are all print-based experiences that help kids understand how the world works. And writing is a really important piece of it yeah and become even more so imagine uh, you know 20 years ago kids didn't text but now that is a big mode email big mode of writing and i didn't talk about keyboarding so real quickly thank okay. you yeah thank you i was going to come back and ask little kids yeah little kids need to explore on the keyboard where are those letters where are they where are they but what Berninger, what Berninger has described in her research is that keyboarding with both of your hands is a bimodal brain activity. And so you have both sides of your brain needing to interact and connect. And that interconnected, that crossing the midline for that bimodal piece these two hands working together, she describes doesn't really happen until about adolescence. And so using a keyboard for the initial phases of the writing process, you are not going to get as, as uh, much or as well-developed writing because it's taking it to yet another level of that brain work, taxing that brain because of because of trying to do this. So writing in the earliest grades, hand by hand on paper. On paper writing is really important. Both manuscript and cursive are really important across the grades. And then children, children's opportunity to write every day. We want to thank you so much today for meeting with us and for chatting with us. It has been such an honor to meet you and oh talk with you and have your wonderful thoughts and ideas to go out to our region and to help our teachers become better teachers. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I am just thrilled to, to be able to share this time with you. 
And Dr. Paulson will be um, carrying one of our face-to-face -face for EC letters coming up in January. And you know we will be talking about this podcast and sharing it. So thank you so much. You're welcome. To our listeners, um, we would love it if you could take a minute or two and let us know your thoughts on today's podcast on handwriting in terms of emergent writing by posting it on our Twitter page and adding at, S at Ohio SST8 at the end. So thank you all for listening today, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And that's it for another episode of 8 with 8. Our heartfelt thanks again to Dr. Lucy Hart Paulson for sharing her knowledge about the science of writing and some of the critical considerations for writing development that we may be overlooking. Remember, writing and reading are like breathing out and breathing in. And we need to make sure that students have the ability to do both and that we cultivate the connected reciprocal nature of these two critical acts of literacy. We challenge you to apply some of her recommendations in your early learning classroom or to pass these ideas on to your favorite early childhood educator. And be sure to join us next week. We'll be back to the topic of reading, but with another unique twist. How can our literacy instruction support our social emotional learning goals for students? Be sure to join us next week to find out. 